Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Thanks. Have a seat. Have a seat. Good morning, everybody. Hope you're doing well today. Um, want to kind of continue moving forward in our Better Together kind of a series we've been going through. Want to just kind of challenge us to kind of think through what we are experiencing as a church, we're experiencing as individuals. Um, and just kind of remind ourselves that as we're kind of approaching um, this, this merger, as we're approaching this new season of ministry in our lives and through our church, that this is a discipleship journey. It's a discipleship journey. Um, it's something that God wants to do in us that he would not be able to do in us apart from this experience, apart from this Merger. We just sang a song that I think encapsulates a lot of what we're trying to get moving forward. And that is that we've been redeemed so to redeem. And we have been pursued to pursue the purposes of his kingdom. You know, we talked several weeks ago, um, the Sunday we announced about the merger, that, that you have to keep the first things first. Above all things, we're supposed to do what? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the other things are going to take care of themselves. And so that's our responsibility. And so the collective wisdom of myself and our leadership team, and certainly as we've had a lot of conversations now with you guys at the church, is we firmly believe the best way to advance the purposes of the kingdom of God, to seek first the kingdom of God, is to embrace this merger with family church going forward. So we're going to be able to accomplish more together than any of us could do on our own. That there's certain kingdom principles that we are able to embrace in this discipleship journey that we would not be able to embrace to this degree if we weren't going to consider doing this Merger, And so we've talked through a couple different kingdom principles. Uh, the first one was kingdom math. That in the kingdom math, um, one plus one is not equal to two. In kingdom math, one plus one equals three. That there's something significant about plurality. There's power in plurality. We can't determine the pace or the place of God's blessing. But that there's something unique that occurs that's consistent with his character when followers of Jesus and even churches that follow Jesus and embrace the mission of Jesus collaborate collectively together, that something happens there, that there's something unique that happens when two or more are gathered in his presence and something that's different that happens when just one is, that the model of prayer is plurality. You know, as we read through that, let us, it's plural. So there's something significant about more than one collectively working together. So it's kingdom math. We wanted to see kingdom math occur within our life. Um, and then only that, then we talked about kingdom paradox last week. We looked at the significance of recognizing that life actually comes from death. There's something um, counterintuitive when it comes to the spiritual life. And that we're to follow in Jesus' life and his lifestyle. As disciples of Jesus, we do the things that Jesus did for the reasons that Jesus did them. And so through that, we're not necessarily to put ourselves to death on a, on a, in a living sense on a cross. But we're to be a living sacrifice. So we're to embrace the attitude of Jesus by doing the things that he did for the reasons that he did them. And through that, we are becoming who he wants us to be. Now, of course, one of the challenges, and you probably experienced it this week. I know I experienced it this week. Is the trouble with living sacrifices, we have a tendency to crawl off the altar. Did you notice that this week? I have a tendency, okay, I want to live today. 
as a living sacrifice. I want to live today in a way that embraces the purposes of Jesus for my life. But there's also this like tension internally within me that I also kind of want to do it, what I want to do. I also kind of want to see things the way that I want to see them. And I, I want to live by faith and not by sight. But sometimes, man, what I'm seeing is really convincing. <laughs> what I'm seeing is really compelling. And it provides this internal tension within me between the things I want to do, and I know I'm supposed to, but sometimes those are the things I end up doing. And so what we're finding is, in, in all the great conversations I'm having with you guys and the conversations I'm having as a leadership team, is that, again, this journey, you have to be very careful. It is not sterile. It is not a merger. It is, not that. It is a discipleship journey. It is for the purposes of advancing the kingdom of God. That God is doing something in us through this, Embracing kingdom math, choosing to live live in a way that produces death, but through that experiencing life, that unless a grain of wheat falls into the ground and dies, that it can't produce something. That's the way that we're choosing to live our life going forward. We're embracing kingdom principles that this opportunity kind of forces upon us in a way that if we didn't have this opportunity, we might not have the same level of aggression towards accomplishing it. So there's really good things that are happening, not only once the merger occurs, okay, but right now, right now in your life. Like this day, today, right now, this Sunday, matters as much as any previous Sunday in your existence. As a church, we launched on March 7, 2010. That's great. We relocated May 16, 2009. That's great. But today, tomorrow, the next day, has as much kingdom potential as all days that have previously existed. You want to blow your, you blow your own mind for a second? You ready for this? Okay. Today, right now, there will be more people coming to faith in Jesus Christ on a global scale today than at any other time in all of human history. You know what's going to happen tomorrow? There's going to be more people coming to faith in Jesus on a global scale than at any point in time in all of human history. You know what's going to happen in two days from now? You see where I'm going with this? There's as much kingdom potential internally within us and externally through us than at any other point in time, certainly in the existence of Discover and through the existence of your life. Because God is building, it's a compounding interest. It's not incremental, the things he does internally within us. He is building exponential things through us. You know what happens to good, the seed that falls in good soil, right? Does it just reproduce itself? Is that what happens? Is one plus one equal two? No, what ends up happening is, in good soil, the, the smallest thing that occurs is, 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 is 30 times what was originally invested in it. There's also potential for 60 and for 100-fold. He's building upon the things that he has been doing in our life. And so this is just the season we're stepping into today. So our responsibility is to continue saying yes to the things he says yes to, to say no to the things he says no to, to follow in his example for the reasons that he did what he did. That's, how, that's kind of what we are to do. And through this, um, this merger, this merger of families... It gives us an opportunity to be able to embrace some things, to deal with some stuff internally within us that maybe we wouldn't have been able to deal with if we hadn't crossed um, into this 
opportunity into this challenge. And the only reason why we're doing this is because we firmly believe there's the best opportunity to advance the purposes of the kingdom of God. It's the only reason. It's the only reason why we started Discover. It's the reason why we existed as a church. And that's the reason why we're going to be merging. For that very same purpose. So I just want to continue to challenge you not to fall into the mode of this is something that's ending, this is something that's dying, this is something that is just kind of over, there's five weeks left, okay? But to realize that this is, where li- this is how life occurs. This is a life cycle. This is, there are three missionary journeys of Paul. I've looked at them very much in detail, studied them. Aaron, you just took a class in the book of Acts, so correct me if I'm wrong, okay? There's no reason why one began and one ended. We know where the first one began. God called them out of Antioch. Sit Paul and Barnabas out. Like, we don't understand that. We're saying why, why one died eventually, because Paul eventually lost his life. Okay? But there's an ebb and flow of three different missionary journeys. And they just they begin, they end all as discipleship approaches for Paul and for the people that Paul was ministering to and through. The desire, longevity isn't necessarily successful when it comes to the purposes of the kingdom of God. Surrender is. Embracing kingdom principles. We have to be careful that we don't try to, this is what I've been guilty of at different times in my life. So I'm just sharing with you a little bit of kind of like, I just want to shepherd you for a second or two here before we get into the scriptures. Is sometimes if we're not careful, we can replace the king in the kingdom. And by doing so, what ends up happening with it, the danger is we begin setting the culture for the kingdom ourselves. But see, in the kingdom of Jesus Christ, he's the king, Right? So who gets, to ter- who gets to determine the values of that kingdom? The king. And so we're submissive to that, right? Right? We're submissive to that. We are, we are peasants that have been made sons and daughters. Okay? Um, and we have a seat at the table. But let's just remember, though, where we sit. And we're submissive to that. I was going to say this for the end of the message. I just think I need to share this with you now, though. One of the things, and it's always good to do an autopsy and learn and kind of experience things, and I've been taking notes just in my phone of things that I think can learn from you know, this season you know, of ministry as a church. One of the things that I think maybe didn't allow us to experience all the things that we could experience as a church, I think we were committed to the church. I think we were committed to one another. I don't think we were ultimately committed to the mission of Jesus, though. I don't think we were committed to the extent that we had to be committed to to the mission of Jesus. It's more comfortable to be committed to a church. It's more comfortable to be committed to one another. It it takes another, another level of discipleship to really be committed to the mission of Jesus as our greatest affection. It's our greatest pursuit. You follow me? And I hope that because of some of the conversation we get to have, some of the autopsy-oriented conversations we get to have as we're heading into this new season of ministry and purpose, that we don't carry some of those things into a new season. But that we can learn from this a little bit and have family conversation like this that isn't, you know, vindictive or disappointing or anything. It's just honest. We're just looking at this and saying, okay, 
you know, where is my ultimate commitment? Am I committed to the king of the kingdom, or was I committed to the people around the table? We, we community, and one of the things I actually stood up here and I repented of before you guys a couple years ago was that I placed community at too high a value, ahead of mission. And I told you that what that does is set an unhealthy precedent because it actually sets us up to never experience real mission. That as we read through the book of Acts, we see where the mission was paramount, and through that, real community, genuine community was, was experienced. That it created an alignment that everything you read was about the mission of Jesus. And through that, they served tables and cared for people and, 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 and met real needs of real people and, and collaborated collectively. together. All these people that had nothing in common from their economic backgrounds or their people group they associated with, their heart language they spoke, all these different things, all these things that, were, had, that people had nothing in common, that apart from the mission of Jesus, they never would have collaborated together. But that because of the mission of Jesus being the most important thing in their life, they had to figure out a way to collaborate collectively. And so genuine community was produced from that. When we aim at community, we occasionally will arrive at mission. When we aim at mission, we will always arrive at community. And so as we're... Heading into the, the, the first, the greatest, the most important, the first thing, keeping it first, has to be the kingdom of God. And the king gets to set the precedent, the culture for that kingdom. It doesn't always mean we like it. It doesn't always mean it's going to be easy. But he's the king. That's part of what it means for us to die so that we can experience life. That's part of what it means to be a living sacrifice. As we die to ourselves and our motives and our, our perspective. So that we can experience the life that you know, he has to offer us. And to the degree that we, not just I and not just you, but we collectively embrace that is when we begin to tap into the purposes and the power that comes from kingdom life. I mean, is the king limited in any way in, in, in his kingdom? Is there any limitations that he possesses? It seems, as I read things, the only limitations is what he kind of puts in, in our hands. Things he entrusts to us. And then, in a cyclical way, we're only limited in life by that which we limit him with, right? In our life. That's, so there's this incredible opportunity that's available to us to experience the life that Jesus offers us moving forward. Um, the children of Israel were held captive many different times. It was one of the ways in which God was purifying his people and keeping them. I mean, he takes it very seriously. Um, the, it is great to be considered a child of God. At the very same time, there's also a pruning that occurs, right? 
there's, there's things that because he loves us and because we are claiming him, because we are attached to the vine, that he, he the gardener, takes very seriously the branches that are producing. He prunes and the branches that are not producing, he cuts off. Like he wants very clearly for those that observe his vineyard to be able to see the character of Jesus flowing through the vine, right? And producing things, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. And so one of the things he did in working through the, um, the people of Israel throughout history, was there were times where he allowed armies, he allowed people to invade and to eventually occupy the people of Israel as a way of disciplining, as a way of challenging their, their lifestyle, um, way of showing the insufficiency of their uh, idol worship, their worship of Baal and among other gods. They, he would allow for invading armies to come in and to take, to take over. And we kind of get an account of this a little bit, the recovery of one of those in the book of, of Nehemiah. It begins in the 12th year under the Persian king Artaxerxes I. And um, King, Nebuchadnezzar, king Nebuchadnezzar had originally conquered Jerusalem in 598 B.C. The Jews became under Persian control when King Cyrus conquered Babylon in 538 B.C. So as we enter into the book of Nehemiah, we see where they're under Babylonian uh, control. As you could Imagine um, when King Nebuchadnezzar attacked Jerusalem, he demolished the walls around Jerusalem. Like he, did, he absolutely annihilated them because that was, the, that was the defense mechanism that kept the armies out away from the people. And, and so they just completely demolished the walls. Well, and then they took some of the, the Jews with them back to Babylon and, and worked them into a variety of different places uh, within um, the Babylonian hierarchy. And one of these people was a guy named Nehemiah. And Nehemiah became very trusted by the king's court and was actually considered a cupbearer to the king. In other words, he would sip things, he would eat things, he would test things, to, to, and he would die if they were poisoned before it would ever get to the king. So it was trusted that from Nehemiah's control, from his possession, it would always be safe as it worked its way to the king. So he was a very trusted person. He was someone and that, that was a sincere follower of God, cared deeply about the things of God, and was burdened when he heard about the condition of his beloved city, Jerusalem. And he had heard about the city walls, and he had heard about how they had been ravaged and how they had been broken down, and it moved him to a great emotion. He turned and prayed and fasted to God with a great burden because he had heard about the condition of the city walls, and you may think, well, what's the big deal? It's just kind of marble, or it's just rock, or it's just stone. Like, it's just that. That's all it is. But to him, it symbolized something so much more. To him, it was a place where God's people were able to dwell. It was a place where God is going to be able to show his affection and his protection and his provision to a people that would stand out among the nations. They'll be able to declare the greatness of God. But there's no way they'll be able to gather there in safety. There'll be no way in which they could accomplish it apart from the walls being rebuilt. And so a burden was produced inside of Nehemiah to be a part of seeing these walls restructured around the city of Jerusalem. He was so moved to such a point after prayer and after fasting that he went to the king and asked the king boldly for the resources to now go and provide protection for a city in which he occupied. <laughs> and you know what the king did? He granted it. 
not only the resources to be able to do it, but also the time to be able to go and provide leadership in allowing for these walls to be able to be rebuilt. <laughs> in doing so, Nehemiah displayed that he had received this vision for restoring these walls around the great city of Jerusalem. So he had the time to be able to do it. He had the resources to be able to accomplish it. The one thing that was still lacking, though, was the people to be able to actually build the wall, to be able to take the things that God had miraculously provided to now put together in such a way that would allow for the wall to be able to be restructured. So if you will, open your Bibles to Nehemiah chapter 3. Nehemiah chapter 3. We're not going to read through the whole thing. I just want you to take a look at it, kind of out open in front of you. Nehemiah is kind of to the left of the middle a little bit, left of center, um, just before you get into the wisdom books. One of the things you begin to see, basically the structure of chapter 3 in the book of Nehemiah is there's a list of people and kind of the area of the wall that they restructured. So there would be a list of a name or of a people group or someone's, and then a list of kind of what they did, like the area of responsibility that they had. So as like a good leader, you see in, in verse 1 of chapter 3 that Eliashib, the high priest and other priests, started to rebuild at the Sheep Gate. They were the first ones to kind of set precedent. They were to go ahead. They were the first ones to decide they were going to put up the wall. And they began at the, at the Sheep Gate. Ultimately, as you look through the book of Nehemiah, or chapter 3 of Nehemiah, you see where there's 40 key men that are named as participants in restructuring ultimately about 45 different sections of the wall. The description begins at the Sheep Gate, the kind of northeast corner of the wall, and is listed in a counterclockwise direction all the way around the wall. Name of the person, people group, etc., and then kind of what they contributed. Wouldn't that be really neat to have your name written there? Wouldn't that be awesome? And that you were a part of that? The collaborative effort of these 40 key men and people groups um, allowed for the wall to be able to be constructed miraculously in only 52 days. 52 days from the day in which they, the, the high priest Eliashib and the other priests began working at the Sheep Gate. 52 days from that point, there was completion of the wall. Had resources, had the time, and now they had the people to be able to accomplish what it was that God wanted to do to ease this burden that had been placed within, within Nehemiah. Ultimately, these 40 people and people groups working collectively together were able to do something that none of them would have been able to do on their own. They were better uh, together. I mean, could you have imagined what it would have been like for just two or three or four of these people to try to accomplish this task? It was a monumental task because not only are they putting up the wall, but they're also having to fend off enemies that do not want this wall to go up. There was significant... Um, opposition towards accomplishing this incredible task that God had placed before them. 
it would have been a very long process and a much more arduous process and much less sustainable process if it had been only a few people trying to accomplish this great task. Could it have been accomplished? Maybe. Probably. Good things would have been happened. They would have, if you'd have been observing it from a distance, if you kind of Google Earthed your way down into it over time, you might have seen some pieces of the wall kind of being rebuilt over time. But see, what collaboration does, and what we see here in Nehemiah chapter 3, is the collaboration allows for gasoline to be thrown on an already lit fire. It allows for it to burn hotter, for it to burn longer. To be allowed for to have the things that were needed to allow for the things to be accomplished. This was not only true, the spirit of collaboration, this better together mindset, is not only true for Israel, but also as a king, kingdom principle for how God has intended for the church to function. He allows for us to be a part of. You see, when Christians and churches embrace kingdom collaboration, it throws gas on the fire. That's what it does. It allows for something that's already been lit to be able to burn hotter and to be able to burn wider. If you will, open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And we'll stand in the honor of the reading of, of God's Word. Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to take a look at some of the functions of a healthy body. And what it looks like for us as individuals... And then us collectively as a church, as we collaborate together, and as we collaborate future-wise with Family Church, it looks like for us in this discipleship journey to be a healthy body, to be a body that God desires for us to be. We're going to read verses 11 through 16. This is what Paul is saying to a gathering of Christians in the city of Ephesus, okay, an already functioning body, okay, and this is how he instructs them. Because now, these are the gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do his work and build up the church, the body of Christ. This will continue until, all, until we all come to such unity in our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we'll be mature in the Lord, measuring up to the full and complete standard of Christ. Then we will no longer be immature like children. We won't be tossed and blown by every wind of new teaching. We will not be influenced when people try to trick us with lies so clever. They sound like the truth. Instead, we will speak the truth in love, growing in every, every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Now, verse 16 is where we're going to kind of land and kind of dissect for the rest of our time together. So he makes the whole body fit together perfectly. He makes the whole body fit together what? Perfectly. As each part does its own special work. What kind of work? Special work. It helps the other parts grow. So the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. Let's read verse 16 out loud together. Okay? He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. So, Father, we pray that we would be this kind of church. That would be this kind of pastor. that allows for you to have your way with us. That allow for us to be able to function together in a way that is growing and healthy and, and, and full, full of love. 
Lord, help us to learn from you today. We sit under the authority of your scriptures and certainly by your Holy Spirit's application of these scriptures to our life. We are eager to not just be hearers of the word, but also to be doers of the word. All these things to come alive within us today because we want to obey you. We want for your kingdom to come, for your will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to kind of walk through verse 16 together. And so the first thing I want us to kind of understand is that kingdom collaboration is God's creative idea. It's his idea. It's his creative idea is to take different parts of individuals, ideas, thoughts, perspectives, skills, talents, abilities, and to bring them to work collaboratively together to accomplish something they would not be able to do on their own. And he makes the whole body fit together, like we said, to fit together what? Perfectly. To allow for the body to work in such a way that it collaborates and accomplishes something they wouldn't be able to do on their own, on its own, or on your own, or on my own. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 18 says, but our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. In Romans chapter 12, verses 4 through 5, says this, says, just as our bodies have many parts, and each part has its own, what kind of function? Special function, okay? So it is with Christ's body. So we are many parts of one body, and we all belong to each other. See, Christ does the fitting, and we do the working. Christ does the what? Fitting, and we do the what? Working. He has equipped each of us to do our own special work. Each of us has a place in the body, so each of us has a unique role to fill. When you become a follower of Jesus, you are baptized into a body. You're baptized in, and you collectively choose, you individually choose to cooperate together as a collective body of, of a specific church. But we're still a part of the capital C church, which allows for all this body, the bride of Christ, to work together in such a way that we function well as a body. So that, but see, kingdom collaboration produces personal responsibility within the team's collective goal. So what I mean by that is this. As we see Paul describing it this way, that each part does its own special work. That because of this kingdom collaboration, this mindset we have, there's personal responsibility within the team's collective goal. So there, there's a goal that we have had as a church, right? And it's the same goal that family church has. And so our goal, okay, as individuals, is to align ourselves, to take personal responsibility around accomplishing this task around accomplishing this vision, this purpose that we have aligned ourselves based on our free will choice to be able to do. Because we believe it's the best way to accomplish the purposes of the kingdom of God. That's why we function together as a church. That's why you chose this to be a part of this church. As you believe that's what enables you to accomplish the best for you, for your family, to accomplish God's purposes. Right? So we've aligned ourselves to from, from the very beginning. So we had this team goal. We have this big family goal and idea, but there's personal responsibility within each of that. And that's how God has designed for it. Each part does its own special work. So each part makes its own unique contribution to seeing to it that the body functions as it should. We contribute to the collective body's success. 
as we saw in Nehemiah chapter 3, that just because you're collaborating doesn't mean you lose your personal identity within the midst of this collaboration. You get to see people's names listed there. There was one goal, and I hey, we want to build this wall. The goal was communicated by Nehemiah, and he helped ensure that, you know, fires are being put out, challenges are people are being cared for, and we're all being working through this collectively together. Exercise great leadership and being able, being able to accomplish this task. But just because we're collaborating doesn't mean we lose our personal identity in the midst of this collaborative effort. It's neat that each family's name's listed there. There's a lot of things that are positive that are happening right now through Family Church. There's a lot of like really wonderful things that are happening. Really neat. But it would be a mistake for you to think, for myself to think, that there's nothing they will benefit from our involvement into what they're trying to accomplish. In a conversation just this past week with one of, uh, with one of their pastors, one of the things is that every single time there has been, because they've had, they've had several different opportunities to, to welcome other churches into their family, that every single time that happens, it allows them to accomplish some things and to forward the mission of Jesus they didn't think were possible. Because of the gifts and talents and abilities of those that are now kind of brought into their family. It would be a mistake to think that because we choose to collaborate that somehow we lose our personal identity in the midst of all of that. And that can be a natural concern, you know, as a, as a smaller church, as people that are part of a smaller church, to feel as if you're going to lose identity because being taken in by a larger, by a larger church. Remember, what this is is an adoption-style merger. So, like, you don't lose your identity in it. But you do gain resources in a protective family that you wouldn't have apart from that. There are values that we get to continue to, to create, though, because they're our values. They're shared values. We care about the same things. It would be a mistake to think that you weren't needed there. God wants to advance his kingdom through family church, and God is looking towards the future. And you get to be a crucial part of that future if we will embrace it. Kingdom collaboration allows for more sustainability. It allows for more work to be done at a more reasonable pace. Some of you have felt that here as, as, we, as, our, as people have left or moved or different variety of things, that the same amount of weight and responsibility towards accomplishing the task that we have been set ourselves towards doing just got heavier and less sustainable. It just did. You know, there was fewer people to share the load. And so with that, there, we still care about the same things. We're still operating the same, with the same kind of zeal and capacity, but it's just heavier to do. Just harder. Requires more effort because there were fewer hands to share in that load. You know, you know yesterday, uh, some of us went and we helped Geraldo and Teresa move, you know, and they had to, you know, move their, their house and a lot, a lot of things, you know. They got kids and kids still got things. And I mean, it was a lot up and down stairs and different things. Like it's a lot. Um, but it was a shared load. I mean, my shirt was completely drenched by the end of all of it. But at the same time, like, it, was, it was something we were able to share the load with, and it made it so much better. Some of you came and helped me clear out the back part of my property. You know, day one we were doing this, it was just Robert and I in the back with a chainsaw and a ladder. 
You know, and we're trying to get after it and kind of drag it. As soon as we would cut it, we had to stop. Then we had to cut it into bite-sized pieces and then carry it out to the front yard. The last time we were there, we accomplished far more because we had far more hands. I mean, you guys came and you helped. You helped me cut it. Before, literally, Robert and I were like, as soon as we're cutting it, it's out, the front of the, out on the front yard by the street. It allowed for us to accomplish more. It's far more sustainable. I wasn't worn out at the end of that day the same way I was after the other days when we were trying to accomplish it kind of on our own. We had, to, had more gas in the tank left over. Collaboration, kingdom collaboration, allows for greater sustainability. What Paul put it is that it helps the other parts grow so the whole body is healthy. Our health as followers of Jesus should not be overextended beyond that which could occur by collaborative work. If we can collaborate together and accomplish the same task without doing personal injury to our families and to other kinds of things, then we should, be, we should, be, should consider that. Kingdom collaboration allows for the same amount of work to be accomplished, but for it to be sustainable. Look, the reality is the wall probably would have been built, but collaboration among families allowed for it to be built faster and more sustainable. Allowed for them to get something that in many ways people viewed impossible, allowed it to be possible because they worked together. As we move forward in this, there's going to be needs in our body that are going to be able to be filled. There's needs that are present within our church body today that are going to be able to be filled because we're collaborating together with Family Church. And we're going to be filling needs that are present within their body. It allows us to do things together much better than if we ever tried to accomplish it on our own. Kingdom collaboration also allows for the accomplishment of greater tasks. That's kind of how he wraps this up, is that the body now will be growing and full of love. There's growth that is going to be able to occur. We're going to accomplish even greater tasks when we're functioning together as a body like we're supposed to. When the pastors and teachers and evangelists and apostles are leading well, then it allows for the body to accomplish its, and to involve their gifts and talents and abilities. They've been equipped to accomplish the purpose of that so that the maturity begins to occur within the body. And the body begins to work to, in such a way that allows for the church, the bride of Christ, to be healthy and growing and full of love. You see, because there was involvement for more families, a larger wall could be built. It allowed not only for the plans of the wall to be able to be established, but it allowed for all of the wall to be able to be completed. Each of them had their own unique place, their own unique responsibility for seeing to it that the wall was secure. The bigger the wall, the more people will be able to dwell safely. The more people that God would be able to show his divine character towards. The more people that would be able to experience his safety and his protection and his provision the more people that the outside nations would be able to look towards and to see how he is fleshing out his goodness upon these people. The people that he'd be able to go to battle on behalf of. We should never be a part of, of be, be the part of the body that resists God's plans. We never want to be a part of the body that isn't contributing to the purpose of the body. Sometimes, I mean, some of you have experienced medical stuff where part of your body isn't on the same page with the rest of the body, right? 
You experience that. Jeff and I were just talking about how he'd been sick this past week. There are parts of his body that just weren't functioning the way they're supposed to. And it shuts stuff down. It just does. When one part of the body is sick, it impacts the whole rest of the body. That's why Christ is the head. He's the one that calls the shots for the body. And the rest of us fall in line in accomplishing the purposes of the body so we can do the things that God is intending for us to be able to do. We want our body, we want the body of Christ to be on display to the world around us. There's something about the way that the body of Christ collectively functions together that is dysfunctional outside of the kingdom of God. That inside the kingdom there is order. Inside the kingdom there is a head who is calling the shots, and his name is Jesus. And then through that, the body just flows in accordance to what the head is saying because the world is, 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 is observing. And the parts of the body should collectively function the way the head desires for it to be able to be accomplished. Make no mistake in any way as we observe and reconsider and autopsy and think back is that God has done some amazing thing and is doing some amazing things through Discover Church. At the very same time, in our area, the advancement of lostness is outpacing the, bit, the, the, the good that is happening in and through the churches. So if we collaborate collectively together, we're going to throw more gasoline on the fire and allow for us to accomplish more things. I agree. It is uncommon. I agree. It is something that is challenging. I agree that sometimes it's counterintuitive to consider doing something. It is uncommon for someone to give away their salary. I get it. Like, it is unusual. It is. It's counterintuitive. It's paradoxical. But if we're going to reach people at an uncommon pace, which is what we considered while we started Discover, that's what we committed ourselves towards doing when we started Discover, that's exactly what our county needs, then we need to be willing to do some things that other people have been unwilling to do. Kingdom collaboration is something that others have been unwilling to do. But Jesus has always done the uncommon thing. He has always done the best thing. Like we talked about last week, whether it was resisting the Greeks that wanted to come and learn from him and spend time with him and hear from him, and he was making his turn to the cross. He always said, it's not time, it's not time, it's not time, it's not yet time. And all of a sudden he says, now it's time. His mindset has always been towards what is best for the kingdom. So it is essential that as we embrace and move forward in this, that we realize it is a discipleship opportunity. So what are some of those discipleship opportunities for us to apply this to our life? Okay? The first one is to realize that God is building the perfectly fitting body. He is the one that's building his body. And he is not making a mistake. It is a body that is perfectly fitting together. There's no error in his architecture It may be creative, but he is creative. We can learn from what he has done, from the things at the bottom of the sea and from the top of the sky, and that which dwell on dry land. And for those that, I mean, there's, there's so much creativity that is present. He's involving creativity in how he is perfectly fitting the body together as well. And then each of us has our own special work to contribute to this perfectly fitting body. 
Is that something you're willing to commit to? Something that each of us have to make? All along, you've had to make this personal decision for yourself in regards to how we function. And going forward, you're going to have to make that same decision again. Hope you can see my level of commitment to that. Hope you can follow in that example as well. We make our choices based on what helps us accomplish the purposes of the kingdom of God. And that's it. That is, that is why we do what we do. Everything else will be taken care of itself. We must be committed to God's dream. To God's purpose. To what he sees when he's putting together, fit, perfectly fitting together this body. One of the things that I mentioned earlier, I just want to repeat now, is that one of the lessons that I have learned is I think that too many of us were committed to Discover Church and to the people of Discover Church, but not necessarily God's purpose for Discover Church. And as a result of that, I, don't, I think we can learn from that and be able to move further with that to accomplish his purposes. We need to remember that this is not about Discover Church. This is not about family church. But all of this is about advancing the advancement of God's kingdom. That is what this is about. And then we get to watch God do more in and through us than we ever could have imagined. After you've been sick, I hope Jeff, you get experiences soon. <laughs> but after you get sick and you get whole again, you just realize, man, like, it is really good to feel whole. Now, if you know, I have three curvatures in my spine, different places. My lower back, I had a weightlifting incident, you know, in high school. In the middle of my back, I uh, had just a slight genetic curvature, nothing significant, but a slight little, you know, deal there, and then it's about being a boy and crashing into stuff, you know, as long as I've been alive. Um, I have a curvature in between my shoulder blades and up into my neck. And, um, and many times, I've, like, I've gone three weeks right now without an adjustment. And you know what that means? I'm in pain. Like, I'm, my body's not functioning as it's supposed to. And things comes up, I've missed appointments, I, you know, one time I was just too lazy to make the drive, it's a 30 minute drive, I just didn't want to go. After I get that, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to Wednesday, okay? Wednesday at 10.15. I'm excited because you know what's going to happen? I'm going to get that get alignment corrected. And this is going to be such a better feeling. I'm going to feel better. Yeah, I'm going to be able to accomplish more. The whole time I was helping Geraldo move, I just kept thinking, don't mess this up. Like, do not do anything to overextend anything. I had to be much more cautious. Right now, what I'm praying is going to happen in your life and in our life as a church. He has been, what he has been doing in my life. Just aligning things under his purposes, under his headship. So we can function as he's intended for us to function. We, have, we really have to ask an honest question. That is, is there a problem with the head? Jesus is the head. Is there a problem with the head?
Okay, if not, now that, that puts into order some things that makes us have to think about ourselves and our own place of fitting within that, our own special work that we contribute to the body. Right? Because what matters is the advancement of the kingdom of God. That's what matters. When all this is said and done, when hopefully it's, it's many years from now, when you breathe your last breath, the only thing that you're going to care about is your, what was your contribution to the kingdom of God. Because you're going to be like him, and you're going to care about the things he cares about. There's going to be a glorified state, and you're going to see things and care about things and love things and, and heartbreak for things that are consistent with his heart in every way. It's all going to be made new. And we're also going to be judged for that. As the imagery created from Paul is that there's like this, this, this line of fire and the things that our works are going to be like tested by that. The stuff that's made of wood and, and, and hay and stuff. Well, stuff's not going to pass through. But the stuff that is is going to be purified as with fire. So, and that's the stuff that is about the purposes of the kingdom of God. That is what this, that, that's what it's about. And so if because we are going through this merger deal, this thing, allows for us to get more correctly aligned with that, with accomplishing those purposes, to see to it that the further growth of things, because we collaborate collectively together, it, allows, it forces me to deny myself, to work through my own insecurities, to deal with the things that, are, that I may be wondering if the head really is, 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 is competent. And the body working together can accomplish more than what? Then why would we not do that? There's, all, there's incredible good coming from that. Is that worth it? Yeah, it is. Because nowhere in the scriptures is discovered church listed. It's not there. What well, is listed is the bride of Christ. There's the body functioning collectively together underneath, within the kingdom of God, underneath the authority of the king. And so I make my choice, you make your choice as to where you function within the body and what body individually, lowercase c, we function together under, which helps us accomplish that. So we have a lot to pray about have a lot to reflect on. Band's going to come and they're going to create a little bit of a space for us to do that. I just want you to, to consider that. I want you to think about what that means for you today. Like you have your own special work. You have your own special purpose that only you are fulfilling. That as we read this, it seems like the maturity of the body is based upon how well the parts of the body contribute their unique special work. Is that fair? So what does that look like? What is that unique work right now within your life? What is the unique thing that is happening internally within you? What is the unique thing that is happening right now in this monitor? <laughs> Ask them to do some scratching for me to inspire you even greater, right? But what does that look like for you? What does that look like for you moving forward? As we approach this table, 
Jesus has fulfilled his unique special work. Would you agree with me? So as you partake in this body, there is a commitment that you are making to align yourself with him. So we, we eat this bread that's just symbolic of his flesh, and we drink this blood, which symbolic, this, this, this juice, which is symbolic of his blood. As we align ourselves with his purposes. I don't know how to say it more clearly, and I will continue to repeat it, but our only reason for existence today is to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Everything else is submissive to that place. And the great thing is, when that is first, when the king is at his rightful place in the kingdom, and you are submitting underneath that great place, then you get everything the kingdom provides. Kingdom math begins to work. Life comes from death. And gas gets thrown on the fire. Aren't you so interested to find out what that looks like? I am. I want so badly to know what that looks like. We've seen it. We've experienced some of it. I just want to experience all of what he is wanting us to experience. Nothing more. Certainly nothing less. So, Father, I pray that you would allow for your spirit to intercede you know, on our behalf, to lead us towards life, towards lead us towards the things that you have you know, for us to experience. Show us the things that are inconsistent. Show us the curvatures kind of in our own spine, the things that are not in, an, in perfect alignment with your purposes. Would you do some adjustment today within us? Allow for us to function healthy. That we would embrace this season in a way that allows for us to be healthier so that our body can be healthy and growing and full of love. So as the world observes your church, as the world observes your bride, and they look in, that it would scream a great testimony of how great the King is. You've welcomed us to the table. You've given us a seat at the King's table. We now want to come and we want to eat. We come and we want to spend time with our, our Father. We just want to come and enjoy you. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.